everybody. Welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your guests, Cameron. And Agustin. From Movie Dots. <laughs> and we're your hosts, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dillman. This is episode number 97. So Augustine is an electrical engineer from UPB, F.H. Munster. He helped engineer a remote monitoring solution for Airbus Germany. Afterwards, he founded the IoT application enablement platform, ubidots.com. And then Cameron joined Ubidots as the director of operations. He graduated from UC Berkeley, and he has previously worked in operations and project management at Get Around Inc., and UBS financial uh, services while also focusing on efficient team and cl uh, client dynamics and quality assurance. So for those of us who have uh, been long-term listeners, I know I've been a long-term listener of the podcast. <laughs> uh, we, we have actually talked about UbiDots in the past. Uh, so, so I was working on a project, uh, the iSpindle, uh, this Gosh, how many episodes? Probably 10, 12 episodes ago we talked yeah, about something this. something like that. So, uh, and and in the in working on this project, I kind of myself got introduced to UbiDots because of the documentation that went along with this uh, project. And uh, so we talked about that on the podcast, and lo and behold, somehow the UbiDots guys caught wind that we talked about it, and uh, they ended up contacting us, and uh, I, I believe Cameron contacted us. Is that right? Yeah, exactly right. So I was actually listening in on your guys' podcast a little while back, and then I heard our name in the discussion of umlauts, and I couldn't resist, and I had to send an email. You guys are just too funny. <laughs> well, somebody, we have one listener. Thank you, Cameron. <laughs> hey, I'm here for you guys. So it's, Believe it or not, I'm here for you guys. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that was, that was kind of cool. So we talked about um, UbiDots on that podcast, and, uh, and the UbiDots guys here contacted us and said, hey, you guys want to do a podcast and talk about IoT and talk about data and talk about how you get data into the cloud? So we said, yeah, sure, that sounds great. <laughs> so be a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for coming on, guys. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having us. So let's talk about UbiDots. Uh, what is it? Yeah, for sure. So UbiDots itself is a point-and-click IoT application builder for data storage, data analytics, and data visualization. We focus on transforming sensor and actuator data into applications to provide valuable insights to make better business decisions for um, engineers or management. Our focus is to work with the system integrators and hardware engineers like yourselves to cut down the development time and the overall project costs to help deploy devices into the field. Um, our focus is really to work with hundreds of engineers in the sweet spot between about five and a thousand devices to help deploy POCs and help quickly get connected solutions up and online so that we can actually start extracting value instead of just talking about deploying solutions. We believe that actually getting the products out in the field is the most uh, efficient way to deploy IoT solutions. So what's the difference between the UbiDots platform and other platforms that are out there? For sure. So UbiDots itself really focuses on that long tail solution. So we like to make sure that we stick between five and a thousand devices for first projects. And then with that, we help foster the growth of the project and the engineers that are helped deploying them. So for example, if you might be doing a humidity sensor in a wine containment unit, you might be losing, the winer, the, the vineyard might be losing wine to uh, minimal humidity standards. And what UbiDots can do is we can help work with the engineers to get three or four devices immediately deployed in that location. So the 
the vineyard itself can see whether or not that value is is helpful. If they enjoy it, then all of a sudden you can deploy another ten or another twenty devices because they want to build build out the application. Got, gotcha. So that's our sweet spot, and that's how we do it best. Yeah. So it's it's basically you provide kind of a a uh, service in terms of they can test drive the the service basically. Is that is that my understanding Ex- that correctly? That's exactly right. And not only do we, we don't just stop there. So once we get that test drive done, that typically is in a two or three month period. We also, we also support the actual development and the deployment aspects because we have built in features that allow for scaling up to tens of thousands of devices. Uh, A quick note to that guys. Uh, Yeah. So I I think where our users have recognized that Ubitos stands out from the rest of the platforms is the fact that uh, we give them uh, like a complete application layer for the IoT solution. It means we other platforms might be very good at uh, storing the data or allowing you to manage your devices remotely by turning them on or off or, or doing like some control around them. But we actually ran that last mile where we actually created something that could be put in front of the end customer. So if you're a hardware engineer and you have an idea in mind and you have the customer, you just want you know to build a solution that's in the middle, uh, we get you to the end user. So with Ubitas, you can deploy a ready-to-use portal uh, that can help you make you and your customer make sense of the sensor data of your deployment. Right, right. I, I noticed in, in using it myself that you guys spent a lot of time working on the aesthetics, making sure that it, it looked a particular way and certainly looked nice. Cool. Yeah, thank you very much for that. I know that our our UX engineers are really focused on that. And one thing that we focus on is, and I hope you experience it yourself, is that ease of use. Being able to use a UbiDots um it, it's a software, and you guys know your hardware guys. Not always do you know what an API the and, um, and the front end should look like. So leave that part to us. We'll take care of it, and we'll provide that service as best we can. So speaking of that, I guess that we'll go right into our next segment is, like, what is or how do you get started in IoT? And then I guess to start with that is, you know, step back even farther, and it's like, what actually is IoT? Like, from a base level, what is it? For sure, I can take that one. Um, so we view IoT as a four-pronged process, each one being a layer. First first layer is going to be the device, the actual hardware. So if you're using a PLC, an Arduino, anything that you guys have built, the second layer being the connection protocol, how you're actually connecting to the Internet, whether or not you're plugging in through Ethernet, you're using a cellular connection, or you're using a... Or new advancing technologies like MCAT one. Um, What's MCAT one? Augustine, I'll let you ca- carry that on, or if you want to pass that <laughs> off a little bit later, that one that one gets a little bit more intense. I've never heard of that. So, uh, <laughs> me neither. Yeah, cool. I mean, there's um, this uh, exciting uh, new new con- types of trends that are coming into IoT. So, for connectivity, as Cameron was saying, uh, in, in fact, we recently made a a survey within our user base, and uh, we found uh, Wi-Fi and Ethernet and cellular to be like the top three types of connectivities, which makes a lot of sense because it's what all of us are used to. Uh, but then there's a new wave of connectivities that will enable applications that were impossible before. Like, for example, if you had, a, let's say, 
you had a business of, of refrigeration and you had 100,000 refrigerators on the fields, uh, maybe putting a cellular device in each one of these refrigerators would be too expensive compared to the amount of data or the value that we, you would extract from this data. So yeah, your, your customer, would, yeah, your customer would have to pay like 30 bucks a month for that cellular service. Exactly, yeah. like only the data alone would kill the project. So lucky for all of us, there are a lot of players trying to push down that barrier of not only the, the cost per month of the data plan, but also the, the, the battery consumption of, and the size of the, of the little chips that communicate with the internet. So yeah, yeah. Uh, this next wave of things of connectivity types is the Sigfox is one, uh, Laura one is another one. And then the, the next generation, let's say 2018 and so forth, will be CAT M1, which is an optimized uh, mobile connectivity type uh, that is specific, specifically designed for IoT. Okay, so who's who runs that network then? Is it a network? Yeah, it, it is in the network. Uh, it's being planned out and deployed by current mobile operators. Uh, okay. So some of them are, are, are going for narrowband IoT, which is kind of the competitor in the space. Uh, it's mostly NB IoT, narrowband IoT, is mostly for Europe. Uh, Cat M is being uh, pushed by mostly in America. So yeah, let, let's see. I mean, we're eager to see what happens in that space. It's going to be exciting for all of us. Yeah, that sounds. I'm going to have to, you know, look up more of it when after this. Yeah. So the um, Cat M one and NB IoT are going to be back ended by the major. Um, telecommunications providers. So they're viewing that as the potential solutions in three, four, five years down the line. So they're looking to build out that technology as much as, much as possible in the hopes that it might take over um, the current cellular capabilities. Gotcha. All right, so back to, so we're talking about this number two is connection. So what's number three? Yep. Yep. Quick recap. So we start with the device, then we're connected. Then once we're connected, we've got to have it somewhere to send the data. So that's where the cloud comes in. Um, once the data is in the cloud, it can be stored, computed, analyzed, visualized, everything. And in order to be able to visualize and take it from the cloud to the actual end user so that you're getting a comp of communication from machine to human, that, that machine to human interface is going to be either your cell phone or your laptop with ubi dots um, and that last aspect is the is the final aspect of the four layers and that's the application development that's where ubi dots comes in and we use that point and click environment that you guys have already experienced in order to build widgets visualize data create computations of your data um, via our rolling windows so we view those as the four four layers of iot any any questions in there aside from the connectivity uh i think so. i think that's good well, okay, cool. here's, here's actually one Steve's point that one. I'm I'm a little bit curious on, and maybe I should know this, maybe I don't, maybe you guys know this better, but, like, what actually makes an IoT device, or w w I guess what makes something constitute an IoT device? Like, when does a device stop being a device and become IoT? You mean, because technically a computer would be... It's connected to the internet and it's a And device. it sends data and it, it does all the things that an IoT device... So, like, what is it that makes it that? Cool. Uh, let me address that. So, uh, there's a much broader definition for IoT. Uh, 
I mean, there's a lot of definitions for IoT. There's one that I particularly like, and it's, it's described as the convergence between the digital and the physical. So the, the moment that computing went out of our screens. So if you look at all of the computing thus far, uh, from the 70s until very recently, uh, most computing is about software programs running in a computer screen or a mobile screen. And with IoT, I think the big, big difference is uh, we're embedding computing into objects. Uh, we want to make them smart. So uh, I would say, like, if you have an embedded design that is not a mobile device, uh, doesn't have a screen, uh, doesn't have, you know, the typical OS like Android or, um, you know, iOS or, you know, or, or the desktop operating system. So I think that's the moment where the computing goes out of the screen. So. I like the definition of, of IoT. It's making objects, it's, it's bringing computing into almost everything. Uh, and that everything, of course, includes objects all around us to make them smart. I mean, what do you want to make this smart for? Uh, well, that's what we're here to talk about. But that's kind of the definition that I would uh, uh, you know, be more inclined to. Okay, that, that was, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's interesting because sort of with that definition, I mean, I, I assume that, you know, in the future things will gel a little bit more because it, it seems like if it's not a computer, but it has some kind of smarts in it, then it constitutes IoT in a way. Uh, but, but I suppose it has to connect digitally and send data across a network uh, in addition to that. But I don't know. Uh, yeah, I digress. makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, APIs. Oh, yeah. So I was about to say is on you have the first is the device two is, you know, actually talking wirelessly or or wired to the Internet. And three is getting data to the cloud, which would you would have to use a, you know, a a protocol to talk to a server. And I'm going to guess that's what an API is in terms of IoT. Correct. Absolutely. I made myself. I made myself sound really dumb because I know what an API is. <laughs> an API? <No>. API. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, I'll be the dumb one here. I okay. actually have no idea what an API is. I mean, I, I know it's it's a string of characters that you copy and you put into your firmware, and then it can talk. That's an API. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. See, this this is this is the extent of my knowledge here. So please enlighten, if anyone, enlighten me on what an API is. Cool. Yeah, well, uh, you know, before I define this, I'm also a hardware guy. So any definition I'm going to give you. So if there are any software developers listening to this. Uh, oh, it's like half our listener Excuse me. Okay. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm explaining something you already know. Or if I am oversimplifying it, I'm just going to go straight to say what, what I understand, what an API is. So I didn't know up until, you know, five years ago that we began with Jupyter. So... Uh, an API, let, let's talk first about the, how the internet works today. Like the, not the internet of things, but the internet of people. So if I'm, uh, as a user, when I go to a website and I type in the address, uh, I, I go like HTTP, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so what the browser is actually doing, it's, it's going through uh, the server and it's asking the server, the server uh, please get me this chunk of data, right? Now uh, the server replies yeah. with a very long uh, file or, or you know text of what is the HTML, and then the browser just takes that HTML 
and then translate it into a pretty UI so that you know what the website is about. So the devices are not very different. I mean, uh, with devices, uh, you as a device, you also uh, request data from a server and then uh, you know, this, this data is relayed back to you, uh, but it's not an HTML uh, format. It's a much simpler format uh, because, you know, you can imagine if you had a 32-bit microcontroller trying to parse out uh, the data from, I don't know, Google, uh, it would be a lot of data to parse. So uh, IoT uh, optimized APIs, what they do is that they put the data in, in much simpler formats so that the device can understand it. Now, uh, I'm, of course, I'm zooming in into what uh, HTTP is. This is what uh, most APIs talk. It's HTTP is a protocol that runs most of the web today. And it is no coincidence that most IoT APIs also run HTTP, even though it was not optimized for microcontrollers. Uh, so at UbiDots, for example, we, we support uh, HTTP uh, out of the box. Uh, so if you want to query, let's say, your, you have a sensor that is measuring temperature, uh, you want to know the last value of that temperature, then your device would go to our API, make a GET request, just as if it were a, a web browser, and then get the data back. Uh, if you want to create data, then you wouldn't use uh, what, what is called a GET request. You would use a POST, post request, so P-O-S-T. So what a post request means is you create something. So you make a post request to an API, it will create a new value. In, in, in the case of UbiDots, uh, it will create a value. Uh, let's say it will be a data point of, of a temperature, for example. So you know that is like a fair comparison between current web APIs and IoT APIs who support HTTP. Uh, but there are more protocols that are more optimized uh, for, for IoT, if you want to dig into that. Yeah, that, yeah. Cool. So, yeah. So, I mean, HTTP is just... Uh, sorry, said, sorry. There was some lag there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so, so I was saying HTTP... Uh, became sort of a standard for most uh, IoT APIs, um, but it was really because all of the web was running HTTP. Uh, but it's not the most efficient thing for a microcontroller. So to give you a comparison, HTTP runs on top on top of uh, TCP. So TCP is like a transport uh, control protocol. Uh, it's it's in its most basic form. Uh, a client, be it a device or a telnet or a, a desktop, uh, they open a connection, let's call it that, like a tunnel. They open a tunnel with a server, and then they agree on how to exchange that data. And now one of those agreements to exchange data through a TCP tunnel is HTTP, but it could be anything else. So if we go one notch down to the basic form of TCP, uh, a handshake between a client and a server is about 20 bytes, more or less. Uh, if you use HTTP, it's a, it is at least 200 bytes. So, uh, you know, you are sacrificing, uh, uh, you know, amount of data to use uh, or data optimization for 
standardization. So uh, we see a lot of users that choose to go down the TCP route. So instead of doing a whole HTTP uh, request, they, they just use our uh, TCP broker because we also have a TCP API. Uh, and it, it really lowers down the, the cost of, of data packets, for example, and the processing cost, of course. So, you know, if you're a hardware engineer out there and you're planning to do a deployment, uh, there are a lot of things to weigh as to which protocol to choose. Uh, but if data consumption is one of them, then I would recommend just using plain TCP packets. Uh, and then, of course, if you want to encrypt these and if you want to do something more elaborate, then of course, uh, you know, to choose the, uh, different protocols. Uh, now, there's something called MQTT. Uh, it's a very popular protocol for IoT. Uh, it's, it's great for controlling purposes. So the problem with other protocols was, uh, if, let's say uh, I want to open uh, a valve remotely to fill in a tank, for example, uh, then this valve uh, in order to get the command from the cloud, uh, it would have to be asking what we, in the system engineering, what we call polling, you know? So the, the valve would have to be polling, let's say every second, uh, asking the server, can I open now? Can I open now? Can I open now? So uh, with HTTP, that's very inefficient. So there's another protocol called MQTT, which allows you to, or allows the valve to sort of leave that tunnel open and then only get a, a like a push notification or a, or a message to open the valve when it's required. So instead of asking every second, can I open the valve now? Uh, it would just stand still and have a, like an open connection with the server. And then only when the server requires it, it would send the, the control instruction down to the device so that it does the, the control uh, process. So you know, there you have it, like three of the most uh, pro popular used protocols in, in, in IoT, or at least the most, the ones that we see being used the most in activities. Gotcha. I've never heard of the uh, MQTT. That sounds pretty cool. It sounds like more of a, um, it's like push notification kind of setup. Exactly. Yeah, it, that was, it was optimized for that, among other things. Uh, it was optimized on that, and it, by the way, it also runs on TCP. So it's like a layer up of TCP. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. All right. So we're going to step even farther down the rabbit hole, I guess, here. <laughs> so let's say we're going to start from the hardware perspective from Steven. So I'm putting words in his mouth right now. So he's got an Arduino. Okay. okay? And then let's say it's got temperature. So we're going to use the ex example Augustine was using, which is the temperature sensor. Okay. So it's got a temperature sensor on it and it controls a valve. Okay. What's going to be the way he could control that with, uh, let's say, UbiDots and his, I think, uh, let's say the web interface. Okay, cool. So that he can say if the temperature's up, you know, goes to a certain number, he can do something about it and then make a valve open, send basically requests back down to the Arduino device. So we'll assume that the Arduino has like, connectivity i guess to the internet because he can just go download like a library that does that okay he's shaking his head right that, now that's exactly what i would do <laughs> <laughs> um so what what would be the first step okay so first of all i would uh i would see which board you have uh there's a lot of duinos 
out in the market, and so not only Arduino, there's a bunch of them. Uh, so I would see, you know. The... So what 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 um, Arduino did you all see the most being used? Well, um, for Wi-Fi, we see the ESP eighty two sixty six, like okay. very okay, used. Yeah. So how about we just okay. go with that? We'll just Let's do, do it with that. Let's do. ESP. We have an ESP. Uh, yeah. ESP comes with a very nice package called uh, Node MCU. So that's already ships. You know, it's eight bucks. Yep. Uh, you can plug it to your computer, and then they're doing an interface will recognize it. So let's play with that. So with, the, with, with that particular firmware, uh, what I would do is first I would do a program to send data. So no control yet, just send data to the cloud. Uh, uh, you could do uh, you could either use a UBDOS library for the Node MCU, which already exists, or uh, if you're a more advanced user, you can just uh, look for existing libraries of HTTP or MQTT that are there for so where can people your particular device? Oh, where can people get that okay, library so, that y'all have? Is it on your website? So yeah, if you're using UBDOS library, you can go to uh, help.ubdos.com, type in the the device you have, and it will pop up like all the available articles that we have for you. We have over 150 articles, you know, describing how to integrate different types of hardware, uh, and we have all of them in our lab. So if you have any questions, just you know, shoot us an email at support@ubidos.com, and you know, we'll have a, one of our uh, hardware engineers take a look. So yeah, the first thing I would do is to try to use a like out of the box library. Um, if you are more interested in learning how it works, uh, you know, on the backstage. Uh, I would actually look for uh, an existing library. Let's say, I mean, I'm sure there are uh, MQTT libraries. There, there's one called uh, Oopsoup. I think Oopsoup. It's a GitHub. Uh, it's P-U-B-S-U-B, uh, like publish, subscribe. So that type of libraries that were already developed by somebody in, in, the, in the hardware community. And what they do is they abstracted all of these uh, complicated protocols that I just described into a very easy to use, uh, you know, uh, code or lines of code. So if you take, if you have that plus uh, an API documentation of UBDOS or, or whatever cloud servers, you should be able to, to make it work. Uh, so that would be my first step. My first recommendation would be just to go uh, and, and to your device, see the manufacturer, see if it has a library. Uh, try to connect it to to UbiDots and send data. And I guess you need to get a. I guess you need to you know get an account and get an API key and give that feed that into copy paste that into your devices uh, your software. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So right. you you would open yeah. an account. It would give you the token key. Uh, you can extract this uh, from from your profile view. Uh, once you have the token, uh, you put this into your firmware. Uh, we have a bunch of examples, by the way, that you can find in our health center. And that would allow you to you know, go online and, and, and see the, the device data in the cloud. Yeah. Gotcha. So that, that would cool. be sort of the, my first recommendation is to, uh, more than sending data straight to UBDOS, is understanding 
the protocol behind. Like uh, we see a lot of, um, let's say, support tickets of people that, let's say, they buy a device, they plug it in, it doesn't work. And, and honestly, like we're not a hardware company. We just try to do our best to integrate with a bunch of hardware companies. But uh, most, like oftentimes what I see is that they, they, they didn't digest the concept of what uh, HTTP request is or an MQTT request is depending on what they want to use. So uh, my first recommendation would be to just try to understand the concept and what the payload looks like and what a token is. And, and by the way, we explain all of these in, the, in our onboarding process of, of the platform. Uh, and that would be like a huge takeaway, not only for, for using Ubidos, but for doing any IoT project. So that would be my first recommendation. And then uh, once you have the data in the cloud, uh, in UbiDocs, you can set alerts. So what you just mentioned about, you know, if, if the temperature goes above a threshold or below the threshold, then you will choose that threshold and then uh, the, the, the triggers, which means, or the actions, which means what you do after a trigger is, is met. Uh, could be either send an email, send an SMS, uh, send uh, another HTTP request to somewhere else, or you can set a variable. So you can you can trigger you can set a UBDOS variable to, for example, let, uh, let's say either one or zero, and then you you should have a logic in your device that says if the variable that says let's say uh, Temperature, temperature or, or not? Te temperature is the input, but let's say the output would be the AC system. <clears throat> so I'm gonna turn on my AC. Gotcha. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would I, I would put AC to one or to zero, depending on the value of the temperature. And then in your device, you have to yep. be reading this uh, AC variable to see if it's one or zero. And if it's one, then you you make a, you know you make the logic control that AC in your device. So that that's on a very high level, that's how it would look like. Okay, cool. So so we got the connection up to the server, mm -hmm. right? And using the ubi.library library or a library that talks in HTTP or TCP up basically because that's how you will use the API to Talk yep. up, so it's in the platform. I guess you use the the web portal to basically design your app, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right, and I'm happy to fill in that that answer. So once you have an account at UbiDots, you can just jump online. Where there's two different platforms, either the educational platform where you can use one device up to ten variables for free, um, and then our business platform where that's obviously considerably more robust. Once you're logged into the platform, you can then just use the point and click environment. So with your device that has the firmware uploaded to it, as Augustine has already described, the first time you send a, a dot as what we refer to as a single message, that temperature reading, that gets that creates a device on the platform and you'll be able to see it, adjust its name, adjust its identifier. And then from there, you can create a dashboard. And within that dashboard, you can click uh, graphs with creating widgets, um, visuals across any number of um, predetermined widgets that UbiDots has available. 
Um, and then beyond that, you can also create the events engine that Augustine was just discussing and you guys were looking to do. And so the events engine, you can send emails, webhooks, um, SMS messages, and telegrams. So all you have to do is just click in and say, I would like to create an event. I would like the event to take the Arduino um, ESP8266 device. I would like it to read the temperature and any time that the temperature exceeds 90 degrees, I'd like to be sent an SMS alert. That SMS alert might go to a manager. It could come to me. It could come to you guys, whoever you guys want. Further beyond that, you can also send a webhook. So that webhook might communicate with another machine, or it might be bidirectional where you're sending a message back to a control that says, turn on a flow meter because the temperature is increased or turn off a flow meter because the temperature is increased. So you have all of these things predetermined within the platform and it's all available through a point and click. It's just up to the end user to determine what the application is going to do. Gotcha. Right, so so it, it, well, I'll boil down. It's kind of just a, a bunch of different fancy ways to display the data or to act on the data. Yeah, you're exactly right. So the goal of UbiDot is to be able to allow end users to extract value at their own capabilities. So you might be you might deploy two or three um, temperature and humidity sensors, but you didn't have to hire a, an engineer to come do it. Or, or as an engineer, you didn't have to charge $15,000 to, de to deploy this solution. And instead, you can charge $150. And then for the software side, UbiDot just gets a small cut of that. You, the engineer being able to take all of that value add. Um, we only provide... No, see what you do... So what you do is you charge to fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> so that's the engineer. <laughs> if we get, if we can get some more engineers, if we can get some more engineers that are going to be deploying fifteen thousand dollar solutions and it's only two or three devices, bring it on. We want more. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's great. So uh, yeah, so I obviously with the iSpindle project that I worked on a couple weeks ago, so. Uh, you know, I got introduced into UbiDots with that project, and really the way that the documentation worked for that project is it basically tells you how to connect to UbiDots, but after that, it really doesn't tell you much on how to use UbiDots. So I was kind of left in the dark there, but what I personally found was that I was able to just get on there, and it was like, oh, if I want a graph, just click graph, and then it asks what variable you want. Well, I want the variable from my first device, and bam, it's there. Uh, so I found that to be really nice and to be really, I'm not trying to like sell UbiDots or gush over this, but I'm just being honest. It was very nice. It was very convenient. cool. I hope our engineers get to hear that because I know they focus a lot on that UX, making it really simple is a big focus of ours um, because as you guys. Well, and, and you know, it's, it's kind of funny because like I, there's, there's a lot of different ways to display any variable on that. And, and I found it kind of fun to do different different things for different variables like my the battery voltage for my eye spindles they're still running right now i set them up as gauges i guess it could be a graph i guess it could just be a list Numbers. of data or what yeah. yeah but i set it up as a gauge just like it looks like a fuel gauge for how much voltage is left on the batteries that's kind of cool to be able to look at that way yeah and and that that value for you as an engineer means that you can deploy the solution the eye spindle solution and if you have if you're working with a small brewery or something like that they just want to see what their information looks like but it's up to you as the integrator to deploy all the beautiful capabilities and it's just how the end user wants to see it if they're better off with a number or they're better off with a range via a gauge give it to them who are we to say no come on 
Right, right, right. So I'm curious about what are the export capabilities from UbiDots? So obviously you can go to log into your account and see all the data, but what if I want to use it in a different way outside of the UbiDots platform? What options do I have? Yeah, so we, we, we have two great options for that. One option is going to be with the API. We can then control third parties. So if you want to apply like an analytics engine or you want to apply some API from outside the UbiDots world, you can go ahead and overlay that data and you can send push and get requests to either send data out or pull data in from outside sources. And then in addition to that, we also, for our business users, do support CVS downloads. So you can download all your data, either from an individual device or from a larger grouping of devices or or an entire organization of devices. Each one of those downloads can then just be exported into Excel. And if you're trying to run some computations off the platform, you can go ahead and do so. No problem. We support that and we endorse it. Yeah, so if you don't want to use the fancy graphs in a browser, you can use the fancy graphs in Excel. (laughs) Or if you like, we can overlay, or we can overlay some really fancy graphs in browsers through another API. It just depends on how the client wants to build their IoT solution. Um, There's so many. Well, I I guess I guess what I'm thinking of is maybe a little bit more of a uh, of a traditional like you're an engineer at whatever at at company.co and you have to give a presentation to the CEO, uh, you know, and he wants to know the status of all of the sensors out in the field. Like what's an easy way that you can throw it up on a PowerPoint and show him some graph? Yeah, exactly. So either you can show you can log in with your username and just show him the UbiDots display, or if you download the CVS and you want to put that into Excel, you can just have it be a standard Excel format and deploy that over uh, PowerPoint so he can see it. You just grab the graph and drop it in. Simple. So that's... That actually sounds way too hard. I would just screenshot it. <laughs> just MS Paint. I stand, I stand corrected. Screenshot is always a go-to for presentations. Yeah, like yeah, that just yeah, they, yeah, it's right on the slide there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so actually, so I had I, I have a question that comes. Uh, may, maybe this uh, counts as customer support. Here. Yeah, fire away. Uh, so, so curious about. Uh, so, I was playing around with some of the data on my account, and and one of the things that either it's not available or I don't know how to do it. What what I what I did originally with my ice bindles was I I did a whole test batch of some really nasty beer, and I ended up throwing that whole <laughs> test batch away, and I wanted to restart the test, but. I already had all of this data backed up from the first test of the ice bindles. I wanted to restart. So effectively what I wanted to do was erase all the data that was currently on all of my devices, and I wanted to start fresh. But uh, I I didn't see an option to do that. The way I got around it was I just deleted all my devices and created four new devices. Mm Uh, and I was able to start fresh from a zero point, but I just wanted to throw away all the old data. Now I know you're, you can go in and delete individual data points, but I had thousands of data points. So is there a way to like group delete? Yeah, there is. And so that that's recently been made available. That's just on the per device level. So one way to do it is to delete the whole device. And then the first time that device is sends a message again, it self populates in UbiDot. So the one way you did it, the way you did it is one quick and easy way to start from scratch. The other, way is instead of deleting each individual option within the um within the variable you can also do 
go into the variable, go, excuse me, not the variable view, go into the actual device. And then from a drop down in the center of the screen, you can select each option and a time period that you want to get rid of. And there it goes. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. That's, that's exactly what I was looking for. I guess you don't want the data from your old beer. Well, it just, so it didn't mean anything to me. Uh, that that old because it was a failed experiment and there was all kinds of bad stuff in there. I just wanted to start fresh where my first data point was the beginning of my experiment. Uh, and I, I didn't figure out how to do it. So I just did the quick and dirty way of just creating a whole brand new device. The only problem with creating a whole brand new device is that I then had to go and recreate all, all the other yeah. graphs that tied to that device. Exactly. Uh, so that's why I was wondering if I could just core out a chunk of data you absolutely can and we'll have to create better um information to get that word out um and then what i would like to also stress is our support system is really really fantastic we focus a lot on a 24-hour rule so if anybody writes in through our in-app chat channel we've got a little tiny little blue dot in the bottom right corner of the web um, applications if you click on that you can always type in a question and our support team um, will get back to anybody within about 24 hours or less Cool. So I have one more question. It's your guys' job to fire fire them at us. So whatever you got, shoot. And actually, this is going to be a question for everyone. So Stephen will answer, and I'll answer too. It's um, how do y'all view the term Internet of Things? Hmm. Because it it means a lot of things to a lot of different people, and it has a lot of bad connotations and good connotations with it. Yeah. Hmm. Why don't we just go around the circle? Obviously, I'll let you lead off. I can follow up, and then we'll we'll leave it off. Oh my god! Well done. Well done. You leave it to the experts, right? (laughs) Oh my god! I was writing my notes. Uh, Cool. Yeah. So I guess above all, like IoT is a concept. You know, Uh, in a in a lot of different settings, it has tried to be seen as a trend, as a solution. But technology has always been about problem solution. So it doesn't matter if your solution is IoT or, is, or if it's blockchain or AI. Like it doesn't really matter how you call it as long as, as if it's a, a solution. So for me, uh, IoT is only a concept. It's only uh, a definition to describe you know, what we talked about earlier, you know, what is IoT and what is not. So. It's just a, a concept to stick to a definition, but at the end, what really matters is that technology has always been about problem solution. So you have a problem, you just find a solution. It doesn't matter if it's connected, if it's not connected, if it's AI, IoT, whatever. It's just problem solution solving, and that's what really matters. Yeah, and I'd like to piggyback on that for my answers. I think it's pretty accurate. To me, IoT is simply a buzzword. Um, It's a way that our millennial generation and the generations that are going to come after us are being able to understand the current technological wave. And that's being able to produce edge and cloud-based solutions, getting hardware to connect to systems, and then having that hardware create solutions, as Augustine was saying. So IoT is simply a phrase that gets thrown around on the internet and at these massive conferences, Um, but IoT solutions are actually being purchased. So if I say we're going to deploy an IoT solution, nobody cares. But if I say we're going to deploy a room monitoring solution that does temperature, humidity, pressure, and then from that we can better monitor our HVAC systems, 
all of a sudden that's a solution and IoT falls to the wayside. It's a solution. Um, so I view IoT as just kind of a, a gateway or a portal into finding a solution, and we do that through technology. All right, Stephen? I think IoT is, uh, like you like you said, Cameron, a, a, a buzzword. It's something that exists today because uh, the idea and the concept hasn't fully coalesced into what it will be. Uh, I think it's a term that represents what the future of electronics will be as more and more things connect to the Internet and become more interconnected. And as that becomes more of our everyday life, uh, I think just IoT is sort of like the proto word for what that will actually become. So I guess since I'm fourth, um, the I think of it more of a instead of the devices, I think of it more of like it's just, it's data management and analytics is what IoT really is. Um, like you can buy a refrigerator that's got a TV on it, and people are like, I have an IoT fridge. I'm like, no, that's not an IoT <laughs> fridge. It doesn't actually collect. Not at least not yet. It collects data. Yeah. Um, it might, you know, collect how often you use the ice machine and water and say you need to drink eight cups of water a day. Um, yeah, but so does my doctor and my mom. And it's an IoT yeah. device. Yes. Does that mean, does that make my mom an IoT candidate? Because she tells me I need to drink more water all the time. And she probably has a huge network. <laughs> <laughs> uh. As long as she's doing data management and analytics on your drinking habits. I, uh, the internet of mothers. I'm, I'm sure that she has an opinion on my drinking habits, but we'll leave her to make those, to say her opinions. Yeah. So that, that's how I do it as it's, it's using data and analytics to improve whatever or make better whatever you're doing. Um, so. For sure. Okay. Yeah, but well, it's it's not really just that in analytics. So it's it's being able to collect it in a single spot, like in, in the, the cloud. cloud. <laughs> in the cloud, which is another one of those buzzwords, <laughs> words, yeah. right? Um, it's a server. That's that's what it's, it is. It's so. it's 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 a server that you don't have to plug into. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that that's that's my view, I guess. So cool. But I would agree with y'all on it being. Um, yeah. <laughs> you don't remember what I feel like said. that's a good synopsis of the synopsis of the word of internet of things I feel like it's all you know yeah exactly. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that cool. might that might be a new IOT yeah. thing for us yeah <laughs> so uh, Augustine August and Cameron where can people find out more about UbiDots about y'all etc yeah so the best way to do it is just to go check out our website ubidots.com um, we're also pretty active in social media through Facebook Twitter and LinkedIn and then always if you have a question just shoot us an email at either support at ubidots.com or sales at ubidots.com and somebody will get back to you we're very very we take that very seriously and if we don't have clients to talk to we don't have a business so anybody that chats with us we like to chat with them too cool awesome so thank you augustine and cameron for being on our show well that, that was uh, macro five engineering podcast uh, i mean we we are your guests actually I was seen in Cameroon. And we were your hosts, Stephen Craig and Parker Dolman. Thanks a lot, guys. Take it easy. Later.